Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and it's great to have you here with us today. When I scroll through my podcast page and I look at the array of guests that I've featured over the years, there's a lot of very well-known people that are well-established in the industry, and hopefully they bring a lot of wisdom and experience to the podcast. But one of the things that I genuinely enjoy the most is getting to connect with real salon owners that are active behind the chair and they're dealing with whatever challenges and opportunities that may come their way. My guest today is Ashley Renee. She's a hairstylist and owner of the Salon Venice in Venice Beach, California. Now, I've never met Ashley face to face, but she is a salon owner with a small team. She works behind the chair and she has a young son and a partner and she represents most of the people that listen to this podcast. And actually, she represents who the average salon owner is, no matter where in the world they are. So it's great to have this opportunity to share our conversation with you today. So in today's podcast, we're going to discuss the challenges and opportunities that small business owners everywhere face. We're going to talk about creating salon culture. We're going to talk about the changing expectations of team members today and finding a work-life balance and lots more. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much, Anthony, for having me here today. I feel very honored and very excited to share my experience and give uh, any advice I can out there too. <laughs> Good. Well, no, I'm really looking forward. I mean, we had a chat um, the other week on a, on a different call, coaching call, and I thought I've really got to get Ashley on the podcast because I just knew how relatable that you were to, you know, all of the audience, like I say, no matter where they are in the world. So uh, let's just start with an overview. So give us your sort of two-minute backstory. Who is Ashley Renee? Yeah. All right. Well, my name is Ashley Renee. Um, I was born in here in Ventura County, California, Southern California, baby. Um, I got into hair when I was about 17. I found out that uh, I could go to Vidal Sassoon here in Santa Monica, needed to be 17 with a high school diploma. So I made that happen. I showed up with a lot of heart and ambition, uh, not knowing what I was getting myself into, but I was very excited. And once I finished school, that was really when the journey began for me. Um, Through my journey, I've worked at multiple different salons. And through that, I've learned a lot about our business and a lot about our industry. And gosh, 18 years later, have opened up my own salon in Venice Beach, which is very exciting. And this has brought in a whole nother set of challenges for me, too. And in fact, that's how I found you was through wanting to grow my salon and to learn as much as I can on being a salon owner. I feel that through my journey as a hairstylist, I met some amazing mentors. And when I made the jump to become a salon owner, 
I was searching for a new mentor. And so I feel really excited to be here. I listened to your podcast. They're very inspiring. And I hope that I can inspire somebody out there too um, to continue this path also, because I know it's not an easy industry and not an easy path to go through. Um, so if any words of you know wisdom is out there, I'm trying to listen and hopefully I can pass that on too. Good, good. Okay, fantastic. Well, let me jump in straight away on a really positive note and ask you as a comparatively new salon owner, you're not a new salon owner, but as a comparatively new salon owner, what is the biggest joy that you get from having a salon? Because it can be really tough. It can be really challenging. And we're going to talk about that as well. But I wanted to, to focus on that at the beginning. What's what's the, the buzz that you get, the biggest joy you get from being a salon owner? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say when I first opened up the salon, the biggest joy that I got was watching my coworkers become successful. I think when, you know, when you're a hairstylist, you get so excited when you get a new client in your chair and you, you know, you grow with that client. And then as a salon owner, being able to give another hairstylist um, a client and watch them grow their business, that's the biggest joy that I have to be able to see them succeed in all areas of business also. Um, when I first opened up, I had a lot of people, a lot of stylists that started off commission base and they didn't really understand the whole part of being able to run their own business. And so when I came in, I wanted to give them the tools to be able to help grow their own business so they can have a successful business. And I keep saying that their success brings me success. And so that's the biggest joy that I have to see people um, be able to, you know, carry on and, you know, and, and feel confident also mm. with their own business. Okay. So before you open the salon, um, you know, you're obviously working with someone else. What, what was the trigger that, that made you think, I want to open, I want to do my own thing. I want to open my own salon and now's the right time. What was that like? So, as I said, I've worked at multiple salons and the reason why multiple salons is because a lot of my salons I worked at have closed. And so I've been, I've worked at maybe about four salons in my career where they completely shut down. And the last time that happened, I said, okay, all right, I want to want, I want to be the one that's steering the ship this time. <laughs> I want to see, I want to have some control. Um, I was, it was also just an amazing opportunity. So the salon that I used to work on was on Abbey Kenny and it's a really popular street here in Venice. It was one of the like most fun places I'd ever worked in my career. And when we got the 30 day notice that she had to shut the doors down, I looked around and we had such a beautiful team. It was, you know, amazing artists. There was a array of, you know, talent too. And I just couldn't let that just go away. And so mm -hmm. I looked at it as an opportunity to take the team and just shift them over to another spot. And that was the moment where I call it like the high speed bullet train where it's coming by and you better jump on that mm -hmm. and, uh, and just go. And it was one of those moments where I, I really just did it. And it was January, 2020. And I ended up having a business partner um, and we got into business together. We signed the lease February, 2020. We did a full remodel 
to this place. It was beautiful. We had, you know, this vision of what we wanted to look like and, you know, how we were going to run it. And we were so excited and we got the keys. We opened up the door March 1st and we, you know, got the stylist to come over. It was, it was kind of perfect timing because the other shop was closing March 1st. And so it was just supposed to be an easy transition. (laughs) Um, And then 14 days later, COVID hit. And that was a big surprise for us. Um, so, you know, it was one of those things we obviously, nobody was expecting it at all. Um, but then that was the next challenge too. So Mm -hmm. I think the ambition of wanting to open a space that was a safe place, uh, for stylists to be able to come and work and grow was my, was my, you know, the beginning thought of everything. And Mm -hmm having, especially from my experience of salons closing down, it's really tough on your business to have to, you know, move locations and restart. And so when I opened up this place, I said, okay, I want somewhere where everyone can feel, you know, a safe place they can grow and, um, and expand their business too. Um, so we figured it out, you know, we, we stuck through it for the next couple of years and did everything that we had to do to be able to survive. And, um, but now it's really nice because I feel that we're at a place where um, I can actually focus on more of the growing the business part rather than the surviving of business part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't realize you had a partner. So um, do you still have a partner, a business partner? I do not have a partner anymore. Um, So that was an unexpected health problem that happened. And so Mm -hmm. that is also a big learning lesson in business too. Mm. Um, I do believe that we were meant to be together to create the space. I don't believe that we were meant to continue to grow the space. Um, And then unfortunately, due to a health issue, it took him out of the business. Um, so with that though, you always have to look at the positives and Mm. you have to keep growing. And so that's also kind of why I'm here too, is to be able to really expand my business, um, on my own also, which is, you know, very Mm. powerful too. And, um, but yeah, I learned a lot with that and, uh, and it's, it's not easy having a partner. Um, Mm. but it's also, uh, big learning lesson for sure on so many things too. Yeah. So, you know, so many people, they go into partnerships and it's on a handshake and, you know, Oh, we'll save a bit of money on legal fees. We don't need to do all that, you know? And I always say to people that, look, the partnership is going to end. It's just a matter of when it ends. Is it going to end in a year, 10 years, 20 years, 30, it's going to end. And if you set up at the beginning of the partnership, what that looks like, you know, if one person wants out, you know, what is the process by how the business is valued, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what do we do? It's better to have that conversation at the beginning so that when that time comes, I mean, it sounds for you like it came very quickly, um, but oftentimes you see so many acrimonious business relationships because there was nothing on paper. It was all just a you know, a handshake sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, a real baptism of fire for you. I mean, opening a business two weeks before COVID. I mean, wow, you know, because yeah. um, uh, I was going to ask you, what do you wish you'd known before you opened? Yeah. And, and probably what you wish you'd known before you signed the lease was that uh, there's going to be this thing called COVID come along and uh, it's going to absolutely wreak havoc on things. But uh, aside from that, what do you wish 
you'd known uh, before you became a business owner? Because some people, you know, they're planning their business for a long time and they go to school or whatever, and they learn a bit about business or, or, you know, whatever. For other people, it's a little bit like you. At some level, you were thinking one day, but then all of a sudden, you know, the place you were in had to close and you just you know, you had to make that decision. You were sort of pushed into it, which is often a good thing because maybe otherwise you wouldn't have done it. But, um, yeah, what do, you, what do you wish you'd known before you'd uh, made that leap? That's a good question. Um, I feel the through my experiences and seeing a lot of different ways businesses are ran, I feel that it gave me a lot of confidence to be able to open up a salon too. Um, I feel that working in the field and, you know, experiencing places that closed down, experiencing places that were also highly successful too, mm. gave me really good, um, a really good idea of what it takes to run a salon. Um, I don't know if there's anything that I would say, I wish I would have known more because I think sometimes ignorance is bliss a little bit when it comes to stuff yeah. like that too. Yeah. 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 I feel that, um, you know, obviously, yeah, if I would have known COVID was coming, I, of course, I would have not signed mm. that lease and it would have gone mm. a different way. But I don't think I would be who I am today if that didn't happen either. Um, yeah. Because of the struggles and the challenges that it really put me through, it really showed me that this was something much bigger that I wanted too, um, and mm. that uh, it gave me even more of a drive also. Um, so I, yeah, I feel that thankfully through my experiences, even though there were ups and downs, it definitely gave me that confidence to say, okay, this is my time. Um, I would say also, I don't think, I don't think I ever really thought I would be opening up a salon one day either. Um, I don't think when I f first got into this industry, that was one of my goals. Um, my goal was to be the best hairdresser that I could be and to see where that could take me. Um, and so to be here now with the salon, it actually makes me realize that this is my path. This is where I should be. And uh, for now, right? Because um, life is a journey too. Mm -hmm. And uh, and like I said, as soon as I was able to watch my the stylists that work at the salon start building a clientele and the joy that it gave me, it completely changed my whole perspective about our industry too. Um, and then when I signed up for, you know, I did your management course, that gave me a whole nother perspective too on how to manage people and how to, you know, successfully grow them even more and uh, give them even more tools to grow. So, you know, as the days go on and the challenges go on and, you know, I, my visions are always kind of growing too. And you know, and becoming a mom also the satisfaction of, you know, watching my child grow. I'm feeling the same thing with my salon too. It, it, the salon was my first child and then I got pregnant. Um, so add that to it too, right? Running a business, uh, open it up, COVID hit, trying to make that work, get pregnant, you know, leave on maternity leave. So there's a lot of jumbling going on yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I really do feel that the satisfaction and I get this, I get more satisfaction handing another stylist, you know, a, a potential client that they can grow with 
than now even when a new one sits in my chair, actually. Mm. Uh, I'm trying hard not to take new clients because I want you know to spend more time in the management side. Um, so it's a very different head shift and change also, yeah. um, which I'm really excited about too. Um, yeah. I think that now like the, there's so many endless possibilities too. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is, um, you know, as I said in the beginning, you, you are representative of the average person listening to this podcast. You know, they're, they're a young woman with a, a young family, you know, and all the, you know, business and staff members, etc. cetera. Um, in terms of juggling, what are some things that you would say to people? Because I often get asked, you know, how do, how do other women manage their time? and a business, and a life partner, and a child, and all the stuff that goes with that. What, what would be a couple of things that you would say, well, I've learned this, and this has helped me enormously? Yeah, scheduling. <laughs> scheduling, okay. scheduling, scheduling, yes. Um, I feel that living off, you know, having a very structured schedule helps me. Um, I do feel that it's very important to make balance, too, uh, make balance for yourself in this industry, especially. Um, and so I always make sure I take time. Um, I'm a big yogi and a big meditator. So I'm always making sure that I've got that time for myself. And I feel that when I make that time for myself, everything around me just flows a little bit more smoothly, even mm. though it might not feel that way. <laughs> it helps. Um, and so I really try hard. I think also too, being in this position also lets me balance it more too, because now I can spend a little bit less time behind the chair, you know, still earn great money in a different direction. Um, of course, I feel that anytime in the beginning of something, you know, you do need to put a lot of focus and a lot of attention and love into it. So I kind of always going back to that question of what brings you joy, I think is very important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've heard people recently, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before as well, that instead of talking about work-life balance, people are often now using this phrase work-life integration. And I think, yeah, that feels much better to me. It's, it's not so much about well, I don't know, is it just semantics? But but for me, it's very much about how you integrate everything together. I mean, I love work and I love my family and it all just sort of turns into some sort of mashup that somehow works. <laughs> there's, there's not necessarily a lot of balance about it. It just the two things coexist. Um, one thing that uh, obviously our American audience will know, but our non-American audience maybe aren't uh, familiar with this, and that is that the employment laws in California were another thing that you had to deal with, actually, because you had major changes in employment laws. Uh, I'm not sure what year they were. Was that, was that 2019, 2020? I can't remember. But it wasn't that long ago that, yeah. you know, things definitely got upended there. And so, you know, I often say to people that, like, in America, it's state to state. Things can be very, very different. And California is probably the most different uh, in terms of employment laws and stuff. Um, how would you, you know, talking to, to non-Americans or people who aren't in California, how would you describe what the employment law is there in terms of the business model? And you mentioned that word commission before, et cetera. How would you describe, just to give us a sort of a, a, a brief overview of, of what it's like in California? 
what is yeah. the law? A brief overview. <laughs> I would say yeah. it is very tricky. So I find that I'm constantly trying to look up and keep updated with everything you write about a few years ago. They changed a lot of the laws. Um, and I think it was due actually because of Uber drivers and um, all that. And so it affected our business too, um, which is definitely, you know, challenging to keep up to date with it. Uh, when I opened up the salon, I had the vision of having a pure rental salon. Um, so my past, I always worked at rental based salons. So I was very used to running your own business, having your own sole proprietor, creating your own within another salon. And when I moved down here to Venice, it was very different on how they ran business here. Um, it was more commission based. And in fact, uh, one of the salons we worked at, that was, it was the first time I was in a commission salon, which was a little different for me. Um, it definitely showed me the different sides uh, between the commission and rental based. Um, I feel that when I decided to open up the salon, I said, okay, what's the easiest way, right? And rental, I felt was just so much easier. It was less hands-on with the stylist. You know, they could come and go as they want. Here's a key. We have our set standards. And, um, but through that, obviously I don't have any control over when they want to mm -hmm. take a client or anything like that. And that worked out really well in the beginning since we were just growing and everyone kind of, you know, it helped because everyone would create their own right Instagram and they'd create their own Yelp page. And the way I was looking at it was, okay, the more, uh, more individual kind of popped up on the map too. Right. And you would see us like as a cluster of uh, individuals in this one spot. And then as the business started growing and I realized how different it is here on the West side, because on the West side, there's not a salon on every corner. There's, you know, a salon here, a salon there. It's a little bit more like real estate here. So, you know, if you get the spot, it attracts a lot of energy to it. Where where I grew up, there would be a salon on every corner. So it was very competitive and very different. And so, you know, how you were being treated by a salon owner was very different too. I think if people know that there's a salon right next door, you know, if you're not treating me right, I'm just going to go right next door. And so where mm -hmm. I came from, it was a little bit more of that. You kind of, people kind of just pop right next door and they'd, they'd find something that, you know, make them feel good. Or, and then when I came to the West side and everyone was doing a little bit more commission and the owner had more control, um, it was interesting to see how that, you know, how they would take control too and how they would, you know, treat their business. Um, mm. And so that was also a big inspiration to wanting to open up my shop because I felt that there needed to be more independence there too. So when I opened up the shop, I wanted people to be more independent because of these new laws that they've been putting out. It's, you know, there's um, it makes it very difficult for our industry, I feel, here to run a commission-based salon. You, you know, now you have to have employees and you have to pay them hourly. So I feel like if you think in the beginning of a salon, right, when you, you don't have that much clientele coming in yet and, mm. you know, you have to pay somebody to sit there, it makes it difficult. And so in the past... Um, I do feel it kind of made it easier, though, for salon owners to take advantage of some people also and take advantage of their time. 
So I can understand both sides of why they created these laws too, um, you know, for protection. So people mm. are not getting abused also. But as a salon owner, you know, now I can see why other salon owners liked it the other way too, because they'd probably make more money that way. Um, so it's been a big learning curve. I have at my salon, I do have kind of like a, a mixture now going on. Um, so mainly uh, rental based. And then I hired an assistant a few years ago and she became my first employee. And so that's been a big learning curve on learning uh, how to have an employee, which is very different from mm -hmm. when I even grew up with too. I never was uh, considered an employee for anybody. Um, so it's been really interesting, but uh, it is, I feel the best situation for her too. You know, she's young, it gives her a steady paycheck. Um, you know, she knows how many hours she's working too. I feel that it gives her a really good idea about money also. Um, but it does get tricky. And so I think this is kind of actually a conversation that I'm constantly talking with other salon owners about too, or other stylists that work at other salons. You know, my first question is, how do they pay you? You know, mm. that's, uh, I'm always so curious because uh, everyone, it seems kind of does it in their own way too. Um, so yeah, it, definitely. It, uh, mm. it is, that is a very interesting <laughs> conversation. Mm. How, how do you, find the challenge running a hybrid business where you've got employees and you've got renters because I know the IRS you know your your tax department or the equivalent of the IRS in any other country you know the thing they generally all have in common is there's a there's the one word is control that if you are deemed to be controlling someone in any way then they are an employee. They're not a renter. And I know the IRS, for example, have a, I think it's a 19-point checklist or it might be a 21-point checklist that they go through. And a lot, of those, a lot of those things are really in some level about control. So in other words, control means if you tell people what time they've got to be at work, that's control. If you tell them what products they have to use, that's control. If you tell them what prices they have to charge, that's control. If you tell them how long their appointments are going to be, that's control. So as soon as you start to put any control on them, then the IRS will deem them as an employee. And it's pretty much like that, whether you're talking about the UK, Canada, Australia, whatever, that that's really where the distinction between are they an employee or are they not really an employee, but they, you're trying to, you know, make them self-employed for tax advantage for yourself, etc. I suppose what I'm, what I'm really leading to here is how do you run a business when you've got both, when you can obviously control employees in terms of, prices they charge, opening hours, products they use, etc. But you can't control those people that are renters without blurring that line. Yeah, I think that's why I like how I'm doing it right now, too. I like having, you know, the independent contractors that come in, they run their own business. I don't tell them when to come in. Like I said, they have a key, you know, they can, they can use whatever products they like to. I offer products and obviously, you know, they love using them. Um, but mm. I don't have any control over them. Um, 
And that's why I love having some employees now because those ones I can control. And so the ones that are employees are still growing. They're still building their business. And so I do have a lot of hand in, you know, what's going on with them too. And so that helps a lot when it comes to, you know, the employment, right? So they are my employee. Um, you know, I tell them when to get there. I do have that control um, and I do give them clients. And so I noticed once the salon was starting to build and we started getting clientele in here, I actually benefited a lot more from having employees rather than independent contractors, you know, because for the employees, obviously you can pay them a set rate for the day. You know, you get the hourly and you know how much they're going to make. Right. And then, you know, you're hoping that they pull in more, uh, you know, on the daily mm. basis with the clients. And so I feel that now that I've actually shifted my business model to have some employees, it's actually been financially a lot better too. Yeah. Um, but at this point, you know, I feel that when I first opened the salon, it would have been very difficult to have done mm -hmm. that. But now that we've got, you know, a good, you know, reviews out there, we've got, you know, people that call constantly and we're getting clientele coming in. It's actually more beneficial for me to have an employee and, you know, be able to funnel the new clients into, you know, the, the employees, yeah. um, now, obviously, as a hairdresser, right, it's more beneficial, I feel, to be uh, independent. So, I, you know, mm -hmm. I see both sides of it, too. Um, and I know one day, once, you know, these employees make a great clientele, they're not going to want to be employees anymore. And yeah. so that's when they'll go on to being renters and I'll get the next round of employees to come in. Um, and so that's okay. been really actually, um, I feel, and really I've changed this business model too, since I started the management course, um, and mm. having more confidence with management going into it too. And, you know, it's big learning curves, you know, like you're saying, like, you know, I have to constantly look up, I've got an amazing accountant, so I'm always calling him and, you know, asking him questions and, mm. you know, thankfully they've got amazing apps out there to help with payroll too. So it makes it very, you know, um, seamless just to, you know, have that third party help. I feel that, mm. you know, anytime you can get extra help is definitely uh, beneficial too. So I don't, I don't stress about payroll. I've got an app sure. that takes care of it all for me. Um, it's actually really easy. And, you know, when I do my numbers at the end of the week, um, I definitely having that employee and being able to control, I feel is really smart right now for my business. Mm. Right. Okay. All right. Um, Another thing I wanted to ask you about was, as someone who's employing young people, so you've got some young staff members and stuff, how do you find, I mean, I know you're a lot younger than me, but how do you, like, like what are young people like today as employees? You know, I mean, I've got kids that are, you know, in their early 20s or whatever, uh, and I hate grouping any generation to, well, Gen Z are like this and millennials are like that and, you know, Gen X are like the other. Um Obviously, there are some similarities with every generation, but talk to me about what you see in Gen Z as employees uh, compared to previous generations in the workforce. What are some of the challenges? What's some of the upside? What's some of the downside? Well, you know, what are some of the, you know, the good points and, and opposite that, that you find? So I don't know if I have too much experience in that right now. Um, right now I've got my employee who has been with me for a few years. She came to me 
actually right before she was finishing school. And um, I think she's a very, you know, unique uh, snowflake. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I got really lucky with her, definitely. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I would consider her uh, a Gen Z sometimes. You know, she she's not on TikTok. Um, you know, she's got an old soul like me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I, I will say, though, as she's been growing, right? She, um, and mainly also too, of putting her on an employee was giving her some stability, some structure. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that when I was an assistant, that wasn't an an option. You know, I don't think they were giving us employee. It was just, yeah, here's your set pay for the day and there you go. Um, So with with her, uh, you know, I, I love it. You know, she wanted to buy a car. Right. And so, um, that's like her motivation. And mm. I don't know many 20 year olds that are rolling around with that nice car that she has too. And, but I love it. I love that, that she went for it too. Um, I was not like that when I was 20 years old. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And so, so I very, feel- very driven then. Very driven. Yeah, I see mm. a, a, like a real big future with her in this industry. And um, and it's great because she's been watching me grow the salon too. Mm. Um, and so she's, I mean, if that's one thing I could say to anyone that's getting in this industry is just find a really good mentor. That That is uh, mm. really helpful for sure. Um, I don't, like, I wish I had someone like me when I was her age. That's, that's yeah, how I feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah got it. Okay. Um, getting back to your business for a minute. Uh, retail. What's retail doing at the moment? You know, over the last, I mean, I know we've gone through a upheaval in the last few years, but are you finding that retail is stagnant? Is it growing? Uh, is it going down? Are you, you know, putting that down to internet sales or Amazon or is like, just give me a feel for what you see happening in your business? Yeah. Um, so I feel that with retail, I, I personally, as a hairstylist, I have used Kevin Murphy products, uh, I think now 10 years. Um, I've love it. I'm obsessed with it. I've stuck with it. And so when I opened up the salon, I brought that brand into it cause I was very comfortable with it and it, it does really well here too. Um, I feel like we're constantly selling things off the shelf. Um, you know, when something works too, and it's like, you don't even have to sell it. It's just, it is part of what, you know, what we do. Um, mm. So I'm constantly always placing in orders um, and making sure that we have everything uh, for the stylist and also offering as many education classes as we can for retail. I feel that mm. that helps a lot, you know, once they feel confident about it, then they can just naturally sell it to their client too. Um, I've thought about bringing in a second product line uh, and maybe in the future I might, but as for now, I feel that this this line has been really stable too and, and they're okay. growing also, which is mm. great too, because I don't feel like they get stagnant. They're always yeah, yeah. you know, updating and- Yeah, so retail's not going down. I wouldn't say, but you know, also too, going off of, right. Like I opened up right before COVID. So, Mm. you know, how to say, exactly. I feel that, you know, I'm like, Oh, talk to me in 10 years from now. Right. Let's see how the journey of retail has been. Sure. Uh, During COVID, you know, I try to find something that people could just buy at home. Right. You know? And um, so 
And now I think a lot of product companies too make it very easy to purchase online. Um, obviously, I, I I don't trust anything that comes from you know Amazon. So I always tell clients just whatever you do, like buy it through a salon because that's more guaranteed. Okay. Um, yeah. so that helps too, is just educating clients on, you mm. know, how important it is to know that, you know, the difference of where you do buy it actually mm. matters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about social media in, yeah. in your business? I mean, you're, you know, of an, an age group and a younger team and stuff where social media and, and where you're located, yeah. I'm assuming it's a big part of your business. Have I got that right? Is it a big part of your business? Is that your main marketing strategy? Where are they? Where are new clients coming from? Yeah, well, I would say new clients, we get uh, a lot from Yelp, a lot from Google. Uh, so we mm -hmm. get a lot of online searches for us. I feel that social media helps give us, um, I feel it helps gives us a presence and allows mm -hmm. the clients to really know what they're getting into. Um, I personally have a challenge with social media. Um, and so I've learned that I've needed to hire that out and to get help and have somebody else have control over that too. And okay. so I have, uh, I have a social media lady who helps us. Um, and that's something that I'm still really learning about right now. And that's something that I'm putting more focus into. Um, you know, I think we sometimes get so busy behind the chair. Um, it's like, ah, oh, add another thing to it, add another thing to it. So I'm trying to make it very, you know, just integrated into the everyday. Um, and so I'll have her come at least once a month and take lifestyle photos and, you know, take pictures of clients, of hair. And so we'll get as much content as we can in that time. Um, and it's really exciting. You know, the stylists get dressed up for it. The clients like it, you know, we'll bring some champagne and, you know, some pastries and we'll have a day out of it also and, you know, try to enjoy it. But I do think it is a very important part in our industry and that it does need, you know, attention into it. Um, mm. And it is. You surprised me, though, because I thought that you were going to say, oh, yeah, we get all our new clients from Instagram. We're all on it every day. And, you know, we're very proactive because, you know, you're young. Um, and so, yeah, you've surprised me with your answer to that. Okay, If yeah. you were 10 years older than you were, than you are, then I might have not been surprised. But, um, yeah, you, you've surprised me a little bit by that. I know. Old soul. I told you, I'm an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Uh, where do your new clients come from? That's another thing. You've mentioned Yelp. Yelp is obviously it's a global thing, but it's not that big outside of America. Uh, Google was a much bigger uh, source of new clients, you know, Google reviews uh, than, than Yelp for whatever yeah. reason. Uh, wh where do you find most of your new clients are coming from? Is yeah. it through social media? Is it through Yelp, Google, or is it referrals, walk of mouth, well, you know, word of mouth, or people just walking past the front door? Yeah, I would say, you know, bottom of the list would probably be the social media. Uh, top of the list would be Google, Yelp. Um, oh, that was okay. also what inspired me, you know, from the name, right? The, the mm. Salon Venice. Um, so mm -hmm. I figured if anybody goes into their search engine, right, and they just type in, salon venice right where they are mm. 
boom, will pop up. Uh, Either that or they'll be on a plane going to Italy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, be a nice cheap haircut, right? Uh, no, I, um, so I did, I was thinking anything that would be easy for people to find us. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we really, we, we try hard to, you know, create good Yelp reviews and, um, and Google reviews. But usually when I ask clients, you know, how did you find us? It usually is, due to Google or Yelp. Um, and we are in a neighborhood area too. So we've got lots mm. of people that are walking by, uh, that live in the area that would, you know, stop by now that things are starting to pick back up in the community too. Um, in our, we're considered the arts district of Venice. Mm. So in our little area, we've got, um, you know, a, a theater and we've got art residents. Um, so there's constantly just events happening too right now. And, so I'm looking at also as, okay, what can I do to, you know, when people are walking by and if the doors, you know, if we are closed at night, what can bring their attention to come in during the day too? Mm. Um, so I feel pretty lucky about that. And like I was saying, during COVID, a lot of salons did close down and now some are just starting to open up again. And so when, and this was just wild. So when we first opened up, you know, we were like, okay, let's get our marketing go. So, you know, we did, we had put a bunch of money into Yelp. And this was obviously before we knew COVID was going to happen. And we did all this marketing advertising out there, COVID hit, and they didn't just stop the advertising. Um, in fact, nobody else wanted to advertise because COVID, but here I already threw out my marketing. And so we kind of were really the only ones online for a bit in our area. And I knew that was a moment that was going to be very helpful too. Yeah. Um, and it did, it really, it gave us some kind of attention and, um, and I think helps that since there aren't too many salons in the area and because we do have such a talented team and, um, and I, like I said, Venice is changing also. I feel when I, mm -hmm. you know, gosh, the first time I went to Venice when I was, you know, 12 years old, it was, it was not the same. I kind of laugh about it actually. Cause you know, I went to Vidal Sassoon in Santa Monica and, you know, amazing school. Right. And, uh, when you're done with your course, you know, they're like, okay, let's go show you some salons that you could potentially work at one day. You know, they're taking us to the Vidal Sassoon and, and Rodeo and, you know, they're showing us these, you know, really high end salons. And I always joke, I'm like, no one ever once was like, ah, let me show you a salon in Venice. Right. And so it's really magical to be here now and kind of create more of a higher end luxurious salon in Venice too. Mm. Also, um, like I said, with the new energy coming in and, uh, and, and the New York money also coming in. Um, yeah, so, you know, yeah. I think it's very important to, you know, just be aware of what's happening in your community. Um, and, and also too, that's also why I'm trying my hardest to, you know, not be behind the chair as much so I can be more with the community. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Listen, we're going to have to wrap up in a minute, but, um, uh, couple of things I wanted to ask you about is, is first of all, what's the most important thing that you've learned as a, as a salon manager, as an owner? Yeah. What would it be? Um, yeah. To listen, really. Oh, to listen. Right. Yeah. Okay. To listen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel that, you know, the more you can listen and, uh, and to be able to adjust and to accept, I feel, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think the most, common word I use in my life is acceptance. Um, and 
to just know that, gosh, you know, it's, it is a struggle, but it's so rewarding in the end too. Um, Hmm. yeah, I think that, uh, if you really listen, like, you know, any answer is out there. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you wish that you were better at? Hmm. So, well, that's actually why I found you, (laughs) Uh, you know, the, the marketing, I think that, um, you know, when I decided to finally throw our grand opening party three years later, it it actually was more of a celebration party for all of us surviving. And just to kind of do a head shift change and to like, let the past be the past and let's go on, you know, uh, and be in the present. And um, I felt that when I threw the party, I realized, okay, there's some things I'm just really missing here. I need to be more confident with. And, you mm-hmm. know, the marketing was definitely one of them. And so to even be on this podcast right now is so empowering to myself because I made the step. Mm-hmm. I did it. I, you know, I searched, I searched for, you know, and you came up and to be able to go through this program and to be here now, that's, exactly the path that I really wanted to go. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really, I'm actually really proud that I took that first step and, uh, Good. it's always the hardest, you know, but Good. yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all about, you know, I love the expression. You've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable, yeah. uh, because it's just all about growth, isn't it? And yeah. if you're not prepared to get uncomfortable, you're not going to grow because everything's changing. The world's changing. It always has, it always will. And it's so easy to get sort of stuck in in your point in time and not be evolving. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're good words. Um, we're going to need to wrap up. But whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram, website or any other social media channels? Yeah. So for the salon, we are at the Salon Venice for Instagram. Uh, the website is um, thesalonvenice.com. And me personally, I'm hair by Ashley. And um, that's where you can find me. I will say my social media is more of just a reference of, um, I call it a resume. You know, I just put some Mm -hmm. specific things on there that I I feel confident with and want to attract also for colors and cuts. Um, But the Salon Venice Instagram is where we put more focus and, Yeah. And if ever anyone is in Venice and wants to come check out the salon, we've got, you know, an open door and uh, it's very comfortable. We've got, you know, lots of plants in there. It's a beautiful space and, uh, and it feels really nice too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a beautiful part of the world. I always like it when I'm there. Okay. Well, listen, I will put those links uh, on our website, growmysalonbusiness.com and in the show notes for today's podcast. Uh, so to wrap up, Ashley, thank you so much for being so open and honest and uh, and sharing, you know, where you're at with your business and, and what it's like being a young business owner today. It's, um, it's, it's great for you to be able to share that for other people to be able to relate to exactly where you're at and sort of feel that, okay, I can do this too. So uh, thank you. Thank you. I think it's a, it's a great honor to be able to capture this moment in my life also. Um, I can't wait five years from now to reflect back on this moment and uh, to see where I am at that time too. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at 
grow my salon business. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.